Welcome back. Today, uh, well, you know what? We weren't really sure that we were going to get to record a podcast today, and here we are. We have the chance after all. Right. We have nothing to blame it on. I was looking for an excuse that sounded reasonable, but can't come up with one other than the usual. That's right. So, but it's good to be back. It's good to see you again, even if it's just through video. That's true. Um, yes, it's good to see you as well. And the, the, the internet is a little bit choppy this morning, so hopefully the video and audio will come through okay as we're recording this for, uh, for the podcast today. But um, today, sort of as promised, uh, we, we are venturing outside of the, the world of COVID to talk about some other things, uh, something different than COVID. And um, we're going to talk about raising boys today a little bit. Yeah, we've been so overwhelmed. We all have been overwhelmed by COVID. Um, there are news reports, continuous. Um, every day there's, there's additional information, additional things. Everybody's very tired of it. Uh, we're not really tired of talking about it, but there are other things going on. Um, as we said, there are uh, children to be raised and parents to take care of and um, marriages to tend to. And, and uh, so we have these distractions. The first one is the international pandemic, of course, and uh, we still remain fearful of contracting or if not, if you're not worried about contracting it, you ought to at least be worried about spreading it. Um, right. So there's fears of that. Uh, schools have reopened. I noticed that schools are about to reopen in the United Kingdom. Uh, they're concerned, our, our uh, friends in England are concerned about that. And we have the holidays coming. So the, the pandemic continues to be uh, an important force. Also, we have the whole issue of police brutality and the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and you see what's been happening with that in the past few weeks. And we have an election coming. And this election promises to be more contentious than most. Uh, should we say mo more contentious? I think there's going to be a lot of fear and a lot of anger and a lot of mistrust and, and maybe something close to hatred is going to spill out as a result of the election. It promises to be a pretty divisive event here in the United States. So, so we have all these things going on, but we still have to take care of marriages. We still have to take care of children. We still have to take care of parents and grandparents. There are many other things to do, and we tend to forget about these things um, as we get caught up in the uh, daily distractions. Right. Um, time just so, goes by. Time just goes by, like day after day, just kind of moves on, and then well, suddenly, you know, today's August, today's August 30th. Right. Okay. August is gone. I, I don't know where these months are going. You know those movies where they show the days flying by on those little calendars? That, I mean, instead of flying, instead of days flying by, it's months of flying by. Like we need a montage. But that's, yeah, that's we're, we're now into, I mean, it's fall. Um, the times are going to be just, it's just a, a strange time. So today we just want to pause for a moment and uh, we want to talk about raising children, but that's sort of a big bite. So we said, well, let's talk about one aspect of raising children. That's uh, the unique challenge of raising boys. You know, it wasn't that long ago that um, we had the Me Too movement. Right. Remember Me Too? Again, it seems so far, it seems like it's in the distant past, uh, the Me Too movement. But it was only it was in 2019, it was just last year. And one of the issues that, that came up during the Me Too movement was, why are boys acting the way they're acting? You know, or, or, what is it about boys? And uh, one of the things that we learned and we talked about, because we discussed the issue during the Me Too movement, we've right. talked about these issues before, and, and yet we forget about them, is that while we have empowered girls to become more independent and, and more um, goal-directed, um, 
maybe we left boys behind a little bit and we're right. not we talked about that at the time that you know we we're, we're, we have this discrepancy happening and mm -hmm. um you know there's still the sort of expectation that boys will have a certain status or have a certain certain position um but yet we're not really we're not doing a very good job of actually preparing them for it so that they can do so responsibly and appropriately right. and, and while at the same time respecting and honoring and being appropriate with other people. Yeah, we, the assumption was is that well, boys are taken care of, boys have status, boys are already institutionally favored, so especially white males. So let's not worry about them. Let's worry about other, let's worry about women and minorities because they needed, they needed more attention. So we gave them that attention and we have succeeded. There are more girls in graduate school, more girls in science, more girls in medical school. Um, there's certainly there, work to do. Right, right. Yeah. Yes, they're, they're showing some, a lot of progress. Uh, in right. those so while, and while girls are doing that, boys kind of, fewer boys going to medical school, fewer boys going into science, fewer boys. But we're also concerned about the attitude and the emotional development. And I think that's maybe the focus today, right. is the emotional development of boys and what we can do to raise, to raise emotionally healthy boys. Um, at the time, when we started talking about this, it seemed like a reasonable task. And we always hear that, in fact, we laugh about it. We said girls are a lot, as if you're a parent, girls are harder than boys. We always hear girls are harder than boys. Not sure that that's true. Um, and there's a famous um, uh, author in Australia. His name is Steve Bidoff, B-I-D-D-U-L-P-H, who wrote a book about this 25 years ago and has since revised it and continues to write and publish about the special and unique challenges of raising boys. And in one of his books, he said, you know, uh, fathers can remember holding their sons and what are your dreams and your hopes and inspiration? What, what, what do you aspire to? What, what do you hope to accomplish? And um, yet we all know of so many boys and young men who have come to grief and ended up being harmed or causing harm to other people. I think that's a nice quote to sort of set the stage for what we want to talk about today. So while boys while we have these aspirations and while boys seem to be favored, um, we're going to begin with the, the uh, notion that the world of young men can be both confining and confusing. And parents watch their boys, as boys mature, parents watch their boys give up their hobbies. You know, these boys, they, when they're little, they collect dinosaurs and they collect rocks, and they collect stamps, and they do things and they play with things. And you gradually see boys give those things up over time. Um, they avoid showing affection in public. There comes a time when boys start to distance themselves and, and, it's, and it's somehow taboo to, to show your affection in public. Right, um, there, there becomes a time, usually through mid to late elementary school, mm -hmm. that's right. where, where, we, where we start to discourage boys from showing any positive emotion, any, um, affectionate, connecting, socially, um, you know, encouragement, uh, mm -hmm. social encouragement types of emotions. Um, and then they start to restrict it to more negative emotions that we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna talk about that. But you, that all happens, you know, we don't think about it, but it's still, kids are still pretty young when that starts to happen. Uh, I, I work in a couple of elementary schools right now, you and you can see it in the, in the boys there. You know, it's, it's very natural and normal to see, you know, 
uh, kindergarten and first and sometimes second grade boys, you know, still kind of putting their arms around each other and, 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 and hugging and, you know, being that kind of affectionate um, with their social interactions. But as soon as they start getting their third, fourth, and especially fifth grade, a lot of that starts to go away and it becomes more aggressive and more confrontational and challenging. Yeah, competitive. They start to compete with yeah. each other. They're like uh, male lions, you know, um, fighting with each other. So, so they do. They give up their hobbies. They show less affection. They uh, cease to focus on academic um, uh, success. You know, right. you can see them drop off a little bit. And, and it's about third grade where you see that, that they, they, they make this change. Now, girls do that less so. So right. girls continue to add, and boys are starting to, to withdraw, to retreat from academics, and they limit their self-expression. They, they limit their expressive behavior to sort of boy things, you know, punching and doing the things that boys do. And as boys get older, and this I think this is where the problem comes in, as boys get older, it becomes much more difficult to reach them emotionally. Right. They've lost, sort of lost touch with that stuff, more difficult to access it. Um, it's more difficult to discuss what's going on in their lives. And anybody who's raised a boy knows that you say, well, how do things go in school today? And you might get a, you might get okay, or you might get a grunt, or you might say, fine. They don't discuss things in emotional terms. Um, right. They don't bring that to the conversation. Right. Um, and also, as they get older, it's much more difficult to assess um, what, what we can do as parents to help them deal with the social pressure that we know they're going through. We know they're struggling, but we can't seem to access it. So as they get older, it becomes more difficult. One of the interesting things that Bidolf points out in his um, books and articles is that boys get pressured to conform. They feel the pressure to conform by about second grade, mm -hmm. which is completely consistent with what you said about the elementary school experience. By second grade, they begin to feel that. And by third grade, they're beginning to express it. And then right. it, and it continues to do that through, through elementary school. Right. Anything that can be, what they're feeling is that anything that can be perceived as being feminine or girlish or that's what they, that's what they feel threatened about. Anything that they might do that other people can use as a weapon against them they stop expressing those things. And, and I think that it's important that we note as we're going, as we're beginning this, this part of the discussion is that a lot of that is socially driven. Yes. And we're, we're teaching boys that. They, they don't learn that. They don't do that inherently. There are some differences in the male brain and female brain that, that's influenced by the introduction of hormones at different times and, and those kinds of things. So, so certainly that happens. However, a lot of these are absolutely social constructs. Right. We're, we're teaching boys not to, not to demonstrate some of these emotions. We, we are doing a very poor job of teaching boys emotional language. Mm -hmm. And um, there's, a, there's a program called RULER, um, and I forget what the acronym stands for, but um, by a guy, uh, Mark Brackett at uh, Yale, yeah, right. And the entire program is a school-based program that teaches emotional intelligence, and, and the primary focus is teaching emotional language. Right, right. Because if we can teach, if we have a word for it, 
if we can if we can explain and we've talked about this richard so many times on the podcast the importance of correctly labeling emotions right if we can correctly label it with a good word that has meaning and mm-hmm. substance then we can do something about it Right. And that's what, that's what boys are missing. They're, they're avoiding these behaviors. They're avoiding what they consider feminine behaviors. And there's simple things like smiling. You know, there's studies that boys stop smiling where they politely greet teachers, where suddenly by second or third grade, you have to become an adversary of your teacher. You know, you've been hugging this woman, your, your female teachers, kids, kids say, call their teacher mom. Okay. And, and yet by second or third grade, that attitude changes. They don't openly show enthusiasm. Um, they might be silly and they might be angry, but, the, but their emotions are constricted. They're, they're limited to those two things. Mm-hmm. Um, and they stop sharing hugs with friends. They, they start to distance themselves physically from people. Um, and, and it's so strange to me that it's okay to fight, but it's not okay to hug. You know, for boys have this, have, have this notion of what it means to be a male. That's in the elementary school. By middle school, What's happened by middle school, and you said that it really has shut down by fifth grade, by fourth or fifth grade, but by fifth grade, you can really notice these changes. By middle school, boys function in a sort of limbo because they, they're not willing to express their, um, uh, they're frequently, they're at risk. They feel themselves under this pressure, but and they do things to impress their peers while inwardly they're really struggling. They're filled with fear. They're so afraid that somebody might call them a derogatory term. Okay, I don't want I don't want, and we know this about middle school children, is they live in fear that they will be called a name, a derogatory name, whether it's whether it has to do with nationality or race or gender, um, anything that that, that might be used as a weapon against them. And they live in mortal fear. And, and yet they, they express this outward um, strength and, and what, what, what we call macho, this macho image that they have to have. I, I'm, a, I'm really a tough guy, but they're really dying underneath inside. Okay? And that's the struggle of middle schoolers. Um, you know, it's funny. You're mainly, are you, yeah, you're in a middle school. You go to a middle school, right. okay. Most middle school boys are still pretty immature. There are very few middle school boys who are actually um, masculine, right. what we would call masculine. Testosterone, uh, puberty hits at different ages, okay? And most adolescent boys don't look like adults. They don't look like adult males because they haven't, the testosterone hasn't kicked in. And most of them have squeaky voices. They're smaller than girls. They're terrified inside, but all of them are acting like they're tough guys. Okay? Even the little ones are acting like and tough. Especially worse if they have an older brother who, who models some of that uh, right. machismo. Um, but, you know, I, I think I've mentioned it on previous podcasts, but I've talked to um, recruiters for different colleges and mm-hmm. um, specifically related to soccer. Mm-hmm. And they will say that um, if, a, if a, a, a recruiter is looking at um, players for the, for the women's team in the college, they will, they will look at um, female players in ninth grade, 10th grade, you know, all, all the way through high school. But mm-hmm. when it comes to males for the, for the men's teams in college, they don't look at them at all until they're junior 
or senior year because they said that the a, a ninth grade boy is very different physically and and um, just their 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 mentality for the game is very different in ninth grade than it is in twelfth grade because um, by the time they get into eleventh twelfth grade they have matured so much more just within those couple of years um, and so it goes along exactly with with this that that um, maturation takes a little bit longer when it comes to boys physically and uh, men mentally and emotionally. You know, Bernie, you just made me think of something. Um, girls gymnastics, women's gymnastics, and men's gymnastics. The girl, the women, women gymnastics, I, I say girls because they're 13, 14, 15. Right. Men are either high, men are usually college age. Right. Before they compete in the Olympics. Right. I, I hadn't thought about that. Right. Uh, it's, I don't know whether other sports are the same or not, but boy, you certainly see it in gymnastics mm -hmm. where girls are, you know, if they haven't made the Olympic team by the age of 15 or 16, they're not going to. Right. Whereas, yeah, interesting. That is interesting. So, so, so these boys, these, these teenage boys, the adolescent boys and middle school boys, they're really struggling because they're little pipsqueaks, you know, they're little squeaky voice mice. And, and yet they're, they're they want to act like they, they're in control of everything. Okay. Mm -hmm. But that's the exception. The masculine, not the mask. I don't know what that word is. To be masculine in middle school is to be the outlier, mm -hmm. because that usually doesn't happen until until you're right about about eleventh grade, eleventh to twelfth grade, right. and it goes into the early college years. Yeah. Um, so we know it's we know it's more difficult for boys, and um, and we know they're different compared to girls. So whatever else we want to say, compared to girls boys are nine times more likely to end up in jail, three times more likely to use drugs, three times more likely to take their own lives or die in car crashes. Right. So there's something different about boys. The, the, these, these data, if, they were, if, if the two sexes were alike, we would, produce, we would be producing similar statistics. Right. The fact that we're not means there's some, something's different between the two. Absolutely. And, and we know that it, that in many ways it's related to part of that socialization that we're talking about because boys have to be more aggressive, boys have to be more physical. And so, you know, their, their rates of, um, and I hate to use these types of words, but their rates of, um, you know, a, a completed suicide attempt is greater because they tend to choose more aggressive, more, um, more lethal, more lethal uh, means. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they're more likely to be in car accidents and those kinds of things because of that impulsivity, because um, you know their their brain isn't quite as maturated um, when it comes to some of those aspects related to to driving and attention and impulse control right. and you know anticipation and defensiveness and those kinds of things. So, so yeah, absolutely, we see those those risk factors and statistics greater in boys than in in, in girls because there are some brain and social differences between the two. That's right, that's right. And there's, a, there's another list of differences in how they do academically, how they do, uh, they're more likely to be physically harmed. Boys are more likely to be physically harmed by others. It's again, one of those things we don't think much about. We tend to think of girls as victims, um, particularly being victimized by males, but actually boys are, are far more likely to be physically harmed by others. 
Uh, they're more likely to struggle academically. They have higher rates of ADHD and other neurological um, disorders. Um, and they're more likely to die, boys are more likely to die accidentally while they're trying to prove themselves uh, as, being, as being men, as being real men, okay? They're more likely to die. As you, as you already suggested, boys are different, and, and it's not just social differences. Uh, one of the things that we thought a generation ago was we are socializing the sexes differently. Mm -hmm. And in part, that's true, we do. I mean, we certainly give boys and girls have different messages. But I think we have enough data from um, neuroscience now to know that there really are biological differences, significant biological differences. Um, in the, and I'm not talking about anatomical differences, I'm talking about brain differences. For example, um, boys' brains grow more slowly than girls' brains. We, we know that girls do things ahead of boys, typically, uh, particularly the, the whole field of child development and brain development. Um, and this is particularly true in language and learning. Girls seem to progress faster and reach developmental milestones sooner in those two areas. The other, one of the other things that's pointed out is that boys at birth can have different levels of testosterone. There, there is some testosterone um, in males, of course, why they are males. Um, but it's been learned that very high levels of testosterone are associated with greater reading problems. So there's something about the um, hyper male right. brain, the hyper masculine brain. There's something about testosterone. We used to we used to talk about a testosterone hypothesis. I don't I don't think that's been documented with any research, but we talk about high levels of testosterone being associated with later reading problems. And boys with low testosterone have fewer reading problems. Low testosterone would be more like girls, okay, because girls have less testosterone. Um, the full-on force, and this is a new concept for me. Had you had you ever heard about this before? I'd never heard about this before. We know about the terrible twos and the, and the difficult threes. There's something called the full-on fours. And apparently, and this is an area of research that I am embarrassed to say I know nothing about. When luteinizing hormones flood their bodies, boys tend to become very active. Uh, not hyperactive, but very, this is when they start jumping on furniture and climbing things. These are the fours. This is what happens. It's a natural thing that happens to boys at age four that doesn't happen as much to girls. And then there's another. They become more. There's another thing that happens when they're eight, and he calls this the emotional eights. And apparently, there is. We all know about men are um, different. People pronounce it differently. Boys about eight or nine produce a, an androgen, an adrenal androgen. Um, it's not testosterone that comes with puberty, but they produce an androgen that makes them much more emotional. And this is where you, be, this is about third grade, eight or nine, around third or fourth grade, where you begin to see boys start to become, if they're going to become aggressive, really, truly, physically aggressive, this is about the time that you see it. Um, this is also the time that you begin to see things like anxiety and depression. And all these things begin to appear at about that time. Well, as it turns out, they're producing this androgen um, um, prior to puberty, the, from, from 8 to 12. So you begin to see these emotional changes. Whereas girls experience that when they're about 13 or 14. They begin, 
when they begin uh, to go through puberty, uh, they have elevated, elevated levels of estrogen, which interfere with serotonin, and that makes them look um, a little moody, a little more depressed. So, right. But it happens later in girls. It happens earlier in boys. So there are these fundamental biological brain-based differences in boys and girls. Well, you know, and I think that it's important to look at, because we talk a lot about windows, uh, developmental windows and timeframes um, in, our, in our field, and we've talked before about third grade. And remember, we've talked before about the importance of gaining emotional regulation, emotional and behavioral regulation by the end of third grade, that if you don't have it by the end of third grade, it's uh, not as likely that the kid will get that. And so you're in for some, some difficult times. And it, again, coincides very nicely with some of these emotional, um, as well as these hormonal uh, changes that happen that if early in life a, a, a boy is able to, and since we're focusing specifically on boys, but it's related to girls as well, if a, a boy is able to develop those regulation skills to manage those, um, those hormones when they strike, um, the child is much more likely to be successful in regulating their emotions and their behaviors as they continue to develop. Boys who don't develop that, and, and maybe they're in, encouraged or socialized to be more aggressive or to be more co competitive and, uh, and confrontational, when those hormones hit in, in third grade, it becomes much more difficult for them to build the skills they need to regulate those as they continue to develop. And um, you know, so all of these things fall in line very well uh, when it comes right. to you know the development of boys. Right, and but but we have observed in child development, we observe these differences. Right. You know these developmental differences. I mean, my goodness, pediatricians have been doing developmental milestones for a hundred years, so they know there are these. Uh, Miles, these achievement milestones, you know, that, that you should have them at certain times. Now, because of advances in neuroscience, we know that these are actually brain-based changes that occur. Um, they're driven by hormones and, and structural differences. So we know there are biological differences, but we also know that boys are raised differently than girls. Um, we do know they're held less by their parents. They're picked up less frequently when they're crying. Uh, when girls cry, we tend to, we, we attend to them uh, quickly. When boys cry, it's like tough, you know, got to be tough and don't want don't to make them weep. Um, they often experience greater distance from their fathers, especially their fathers. Men tend to treat boys and their sons and daughters differently. Right. Um, they consume, boys consume, we know that they spend much more time um, consuming media. Okay, uh, and most of that is designed for boys. Right. Most video games, and we, uh, we, we've known that for a generation, most video games are designed for boys, and most video games are about competition. Even if they're not shooter games and killing people, they're about racing or football or some sport. It's about competition. So the video that they're consuming teaches them, the message is you got to win. You have, you have to uh, vanquish others, okay? Um, also, um, we talked about the boys in middle school who most of them are not masculine, and yet almost all boys are striving to become this masculine stereotype, even though that's not where they are, okay? So boys and girls 
we raise our boys differently. So part of it is social, um, part of it is biological. So what do we do about it? How do we raise an emotionally healthy boy? Well, as it turns out, most parents are still conflicted about how to guide their sons. Right. Um, and we see this all, probably every day. Most parents are afraid to encourage their, they, 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 they're afraid that if they don't encourage their sons to be masculine, that somehow they're gonna put their sons at risk to be victims of bullying. They're gonna raise a raising a sissy. I don't want my kid to be a sissy. I want him to go, I want my son to be able to protect himself. I want him to be tough. I want him to be macho because I don't want him to be, the, I don't want him to be teased about being a sissy or right. a girly girl. Okay. Right. Second, they, they suggest that their son should be tough when they are teased. Well, you know, you can be tough in the face of the earth. You got to be tough. You know, that's, that's one way of handling it, but it's not, maybe not the best way to handle it. Right. Um, they want their sons to balance. <laughs> I like this. It's so delicately. We, we teach them again. to back down from confrontation. That's right. Don't back down. Right. If somebody uh -huh. confronts uh, you, then if you back away or if you walk away, then you're you're allowing them to defeat you. Um, and right. we te we teach boys that though that doesn't make any, you know, it doesn't make any sense um, from the perspective of, you know what we need them to do in the rest of society. You know, it, it may be that way on the football field or it may be that way, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a true competition. But if you're in the hallway of a, of a school building, that way, that, that approach doesn't make any sense. So- And, and it's not gonna make sense anywhere else. You know, if you're, in a, if you're an adult and you're in a meeting and somebody begins to attack you, you don't go on the offensive. Okay, so, so it's only in this very limited context. So we're teaching them how to respond, but it's a response that's not appropriate in most other settings. So right. we're, we're kind of setting them up for, for, um, for, for failure. Right. Um, we also ask them to, <laughs> we want our sons to be multi-talented. We want them to be good students and good athletes and musicians. We want them to, but we want to make sure that they balance dance with football and make sure that they develop, that they balance artistic efforts with some other physical thing, okay? We're, we have this sort of, parents have this almost an innate fear of encouraging what they would consider feminine activities like art and music and dance and, and other things. So if your son is gonna do those, let's make sure he's also taking karate and sports and you know being, being a tough guy. Yeah, and finally- He can't just be interested in that artistic creative side. If you're interested in that, that's okay, but you also have to do something else over here. Yeah, because what, I, and you can hear parents talk about this is that, you know, if your son is interested in ballet, how do you, Many parents probably wouldn't even talk about that in public, but if your son is on the basketball team or the football team, or he's a middle linebacker, or he's a quarterback for the foot, that's, that's bragging rights. Then you get to talk about that. But well, my son's taking ballet and music, you know, he's playing the flute and taking ballet. You, you automatically conjure this notion of a sissy, okay? Uh, and, and so it's sort of this built into parenting. And, and one of the things we need to do as parents is we need to shed some of these stereotypes that parents are um, are um, um, facilitating 
and encouraging. Okay. We also want our kid, we also encourage boys to have male friends. Uh, we always worry when they start hanging, hanging out with a lot of girls, you know, when, when boys have girlfriends, have female friends, it always worries us because we think, well, why, why doesn't my son have any male friends? Why isn't, why isn't he associating with other boys? Because we fear homosexuality. We fear sissydom or whatever, whatever word is used. So we know we raise our boys differently. Um, and, however, to say that it's not just dads that do that. Um, it's not no. just men that have that expectation of their boys. Um, it, it, it's, it's women and moms and, and sisters and, and all as well. Um, right. You know, I think that um, a, a, an experience, I don't think that I, I, I told you this before, Richard, but um, the, um, so we teach at the college level, college and, and graduate level. And um, I, I was teaching a class one day and we were talking about gender. And we were, we were talking about the fluidity and the, the spectrum that is what we refer to as, as gender. And um, I was giving them an example and I said, you know, like me personally, I am a, I'm a, I'm a pretty emotional person. Um, and, and I work to, I think that I express a full spectrum of, of emotions. And, um, and when I told, I was, so I was sharing with the class, I was talking about how you know, the, when we think of males, we tend to think of a pretty restricted range of emotions. And I said, but, you know, we have, there, there are men who express lots of emotions. And so I talk about, you know, when, when different things happen, you know, I, 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 will, I will tear up and I might cry. And um, it was just women in the, in the class. And immediately they go, oh, you know, like, um, like expressing some surprise and some, um, you know, sentiment about me being an emotional person. And, and, and so we, we ended up having a big discussion about this because if a woman said that she is emotional and that she would cry with something, everybody would just say, okay, you know, because it's somewhat expected. But if a, if a guy, if a male expresses those emotions, we tend to think of it as abnormal or atypical. And that, that's, a, that's a huge, limitation and issue that we're we're sort of creating socially for ourselves because um and, and i'm talking to men when i say that because we're, we're we're putting ourselves into a very restricted spot where we don't have the opportunity to really express ourselves the way that we want to um mm -hmm. we're in a situation that is really hurtful or really um sad or or, or damaging in some way we need to be able to express that um, but we don't have that expectation at all. Um, nobody holds a male to that ex expectation, not, not the moms, not the dads, not the grandparents. No one ex expects that. And, and I think that we really have to consider what that's doing to us um, because it's really right. restricting us in, in a lot of ways. Right. And you're right. It's not just dads. When we talk about how fathers treat their sons, but I think everybody treats boys right. that way. Teachers do, um, uh, siblings do. Right. Um, you know, everybody, everybody around a young boy uh, tends to create this stereotype. They sort of, you know, at, at all costs, we have to make sure that 
um, you know, the, that our sons don't become sissies, uh, don't become too feminine, effeminate. Um, and, and there's this great fear uh, among parents that right. my son, and, that, and now we're beginning to feel that with daughters because now um, homosexuality is being expressed a little more in girls. Um, many girls talk about being bisexual. Um, and so parents are starting to become concerned about girls expressing their sexuality in different ways. But it's, it's especially profound, I think, when it comes to our sons. Um, we, tend, we tend to blame social media, not social media, media. Uh, the, the message in media is you gotta be tough, you have to be this, you have to be that. That certainly is true. Um, that's the ideal image. I mean, that's what we see in movies. It's what we see in, um, um, in books and plays and movies. Uh, we tend to see in video games, we tend to see this, this sort of masculine, big chested, broad shouldered guy. Um, and there's this, this constant drumbeat of what, what it is to be a, a man. However, parents have a great deal to do with this. There's, a, there's much that they can do. Uh, as one author said, parents are anything but powerless because before boys are exposed to media, their parents have two or three or four years of influence mm -hmm. and they need to maximize and they continue to have influence throughout a boy's life, okay? And which can mitigate against the messages that we're getting from the media. Okay. And parents have to parents have to play a more active role um, in in uh, developing this broader range of emotions that you're talking about. Right. Okay. We, well, we have to encourage the development of that. Right. And you, and you said it earlier. It starts when when they're kid when they're infants and and toddlers. The when boys are upset, we don't pick them up as readily as we pick up girls. And so what we're teaching them is. Here, I will communicate your emotion to me and I will help comfort you and help you feel better. If a boy is feeling emotional, we leave them and say, you need to deal with it and, and get over, you know, power through it um, because you're not going to get that kind of supportive attention from me um, when you express that. So, yeah. You know, one of the things that I don't think we're, that any of these other authors mentioned that you sort of touched on a minute ago, and that is that we have to give them a, an emotional vocabulary. Right. Um, you know, there, there are 300 emotions. I mean, there are six or eight basic emotions, but if you, if you put all that together in, new, in the nuances, we're talking about hundreds of different emotions. And yet, when you talk to kids, and not just boys, but when you talk to kids, they say, well, I'm, I'm angry. Well, they might be angry, but they might be something else that they haven't identified yet, okay? Now, conceptually, it's not until they're in upper, like third, fourth, fifth grade that they have the conceptual framework to use a more sophisticated vocabulary. But even later on, and even many adults, they'll come into our offices and say, well, I was, I, they'll use different words, but they're saying, but I was very angry. Mm -hmm. But then when you talk to them for a few minutes, it's really not anger that they're feeling. It's, it's something very different, right. okay? They're acting on anger, but that's really not what they're feeling. So you have to give, we have to give boys an emotional vocabulary, right. and we have to give them permission to express a range of emotions. If they're not allowed to express fear, then it's gonna come out of something else. If they're not allowed to express anxiety, then it's gonna come out of something else. Okay? Right. So, so we have to give them permission to experience a full range of emotions, but we also have to give them the vocabulary to do so. Right. And, and by so what do we do? Vocabulary, 
by giving them that vocabulary, we equip them to to have their needs met. You know, if if I'm if I'm mad, that's that calls for one solution. If I'm sad, that's going to call for a different solution. And so we're going to help that's them exactly. solve problems if we use, help them use the right words. Right. You know that famous, if all you have is a hammer, every problem is a nail. Well, if all you experience is anger, then every, every solution is dealt with physically. You know, that's why I beat somebody up. Okay. But that's really not the emotional experience that you're having. It's what everything gets distilled to anger. There's a, this Bidoff, this Steve Bidoff, who wrote the book. He has a funny line. He said, we don't ask boys to wrestle buffaloes anymore, but we do want them to be able to communicate. So we have to raise a different kind of boy who knows how to communicate. That's what you're, that's, that's exactly what you're saying. We have to teach them how to communicate. Yeah. So what can parents do? One thing is you can enjoy, you can encourage boys to work cooperatively rather than competitively. We want our boys to win. We want our girls to win too. But this is something we push very hard. We want our boys to be winners, okay? And, and so we're constantly here. But we also want them to work cooperatively because in the real world, they're gonna have to work cooperatively. Um, to express themselves emotionally to both parents. Many boys are okay talking to mom about emotions, but they're not okay talking to dad. They have to be able to talk to both. Um, we also, and this I think is critical, we have to teach boys to be assertive without being controlling or aggressive. Okay. Be assertive, but don't be aggressive. And, and that's another thing that we should teach them. Um, and we also have to, to let them know that it's okay to ask for help. Uh, throughout the development, they have to be able to ask for help, especially when they get older, because they're going to encounter things in middle school and high school. They're not going to be able to handle, but if they're reluctant to ask for help, they're going to go elsewhere and you don't want them to go elsewhere. And, and all of this harkens to the, to the work of um, Brene Brown right um she has she has a special mm -hmm. on on netflix right now but she's done a couple of ted talks but she talks about vulnerability mm -hmm. this right. is vulnerability we have to teach boys how to be vulnerable because the they have to be able to express themselves and have to be able to communicate that i need help right. um i need help with this homework assignment i need help learning this skill i need help managing this emotion right. but needing help is a vulnerability and you know being successful in a relationship, being successful in a cooperation, uh, a cooperative relationship or a romantic relationship or a social, any kind of social setting, all of those kinds of relationships require vulnerability. And we're not teaching boys that. We're teaching them that vulnerability equals weakness. Mm -hmm. and, and that is doing them such a disservice because, you know, then we get people who are, you know, um, <laughs> you know, Want want to want a want to be the CEO and not have anybody communicating with them and just wanting to be dominating and controlling and they they just that's all they want and they treat every relationship that way that if if I submit to you then that makes me weak um, and I'm not going to do that. Right. I don't um, know if people listening could hear that. That was good. That was a good thunder there. Well, it it, it gave me pause because. Um, somebody, and I think it might have been Steve Bidoff, the author I mentioned earlier, um, he, he said something like, nothing of value can occur without vulnerability. Right. And, and I think, now, we could lose power. <laughs> so, no, we, 
So we should we continue, or do you want to do a second uh, second uh, part to this? Well, you know, I was thinking that uh, a few minutes ago, anyways, that you know we're kind of um, there, there's so much material here to, for us to talk about. Maybe we should do a part two next week. Let's do a part two, okay? Because there's there's a lot to do. I don't want to rush through it, right. um, but there's there are some really really good suggestions. I learned a great deal. I'm the father of two sons. You know, you and I are both fathers. Um, I'm learning a great deal, and I'd rather spend time talking about each of these things before we, rather than rush through them. Absolutely. So, so it's you, okay with you, and it's okay with the audience. Let's come back next week. Oh uh, yeah, we'll talk about that um, next week. We'll we'll kind of expand a little bit more on this, but it it is a critical issue that we're not attending to well enough um, right. at home or in schools. So we will do that. So all right. Well then, until next time. Um, We'll talk about it again next week. Hey, you know, your, your sign-off is always stay healthy, stay happy. Uh -huh. It's never been more poignant than uh, this year. Absolutely. Stay healthy. I have, to, I have to repeat it every every day just about. So, yeah. All, all right. right. So until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid. Mm -hmm.